This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to the Formation Lab, the only podcast that talks about racing on the internet. I'm Luke, the only podcast host on the internet. I'm joined as always by the only other podcast host on the internet. Tim, how are you doing? I am far better than I deserve, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm not doing too bad. We're a little snowed in and we're joined by actually a third party this time. He's the only podcast guest on the internet. Uh, Ryan Bjerke is joined also possibly snowed in warm, cozy, I assume. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good. Uh, staying out of the cold. Got my <laughs> cup of tea. I'm good to go. Oh man. I, I met Ryan at gateway and Ryan, first off, Ryan, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're on our podcast? Um, I don't know why you wanted me on here, but <laughs> um, I'm I'm a 22-year-old uh, student at St. Louis University. I've been racing cars since I was 14 years old and carts from, before, uh, from 2006 till 2014. Wanted to kind of get back into carts, uh, karting a little bit in my off time while I was at school, so that's how Luke and I met, but, um, I've been racing. I, I've won multiple karting national championships against guys like Patricio award, Lance Stroll, the Sargent brothers, guys like that. And I've been racing cars all over the world, Australia, Canada, here in the U S and just more or less been a journeyman. I drive anything, uh, engineer, anything. I've never been able to never stick in one car for an entire season. It's always a plethora of different stuff. So I met you as we, as we alluded to, I met you out at the uh, gateway cartplex where dear listeners, please know I, I am not very good. I'm faster than Tim at least, but you know, uh, I met you out at the cartplex and, uh, we immediately just started, uh, you know, talking racing as you do when you meet a, you know, fellow racing fan at a racetrack, you talk racing and Ryan, I'll just start off because you're not from the St. Louis area. You've raced everywhere and a half how did you end up in st louis and was it because you wanted to go to SLU, or how'd you end up at uh, worldwide technology raceway so i i really did want to go to SLU. it was my number one it was my number one choice of school um i grew up in northern indiana so they kind of around the whole indycar scene and there that and for racing and whatnot and that was really good for karting and stuff but when i was in uh, going into my eighth grade, I moved to uh, just outside of Boston. Um, and I, I, uh, the racing was incredible out there. I loved it. Um, and the Boston's really pretty and I love, and I loved the area. Um, I did not like the people and I wanted to come back to the Midwest. And I ended up, uh, and this is just closer to some family I have around here. My mom grew up over in Belleville. So it was, it was an easy choice, and I love the campus. It's one of those places you have to visit it before you know that you want to go there. Absolutely. SLU is actually a really, really nice school. But, uh, Tim, I want to circle back, though, because Tim is a big fan of Boston, and I could see the pain in his heart when you're like, it's a really pretty place, but the people there are just atrocious. They're, they're like all Red Sox and Bruins fans, man. Tim- well, <laughs> I'm a, I, I can't say anything about it. Don't I, My Bruins – I, I can't say too much about him. I knew I didn't in like a, this kid. In a, in, a, in a blues town, that's brave. Um, but uh, but no, yeah, my two uh, my two best friends uh, both live in Boston. Every time I've been up there, uh, the food's been great. Yes. Um, so for uh, you know those of our uh, listeners that are in Boston, I'll always come and eat, and I'll have a beer, and we'll talk some baseball. Just don't throw anything at me, please. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you can be a, you can be a boss. You can be a fan of Boston sports and still get stuff thrown at you. Many of Bruins games I've gone to, they I've gotten stuff thrown at it, even though I have a Patrice Bergeron jersey on me the, at all times. <laughs> it's it's a it's a tough place. They, they they exercise tough love. Whereas here in St. Louis, at least we have the decency to just shoot you. <laughs> this is this is true. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, so Brian, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up here by saying that uh, our first podcast, our first ever episode, we had uh, Simon Pagino on. It was the week before the 2019 uh, Indy 500, so obviously he would go on to win that. So yeah. first off, uh, I do believe, uh, as a person, you know, big fan of IndyCar driver, I do believe that this gives that blessing onto you. So if you're ever drinking milk in victory lane, you need to remember your boys gave you a little bump. And Alrighty. <laughs> and two, we still have audio somewhere over at the ESPN studios, um, which we're not in by the way, because you know, COVID snowed in. Uh, we still have audio of uh, Simon Pagino going, go blues, beat the Bruins, uh, something along those lines. Uh, so it's all right. Simon can make mistakes. Oh, Oh, <laughs> He said, I need to paint an audio picture here because he said that as he took like a sip of tea, he looked like Kermit, like that Kermit the Frog meme. Just, it's okay. I'm just saying, Simon can make mistakes. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice little uh, sign off with that. That was awesome. It was indeed. So you mentioned during your time in Boston that like the racing w- was really good, really fun around there. Do you have any like favorite kind of tracks or events or things that you raced in that area? Yeah, um, believe it or not, my favorite track, um, oh, it's probably my second favorite track, but the track that means the most to me is Lime Rock Park and uh, and just out, uh, a bit outside of uh, Hartford, but it's in the Brickshires. Beautiful, beautiful track. And that place, I, it was the first time I raced a car there. It's where I got my license. And it, it, it just also happened to be the same place that my dad, when he was going through his ranks in racing, he got his license there. It was his first pro race. It, that track's held a lot of, it, it's held very near and dear to me. And it's for me, I still think it's one of the best tracks in the nation. It may be a little boring on iRacing, iRacing as good of a sim as it is. It, that is one of the places that no sim can do it justice. It, it is one of those places where like, I, I mean, I, I, I raced a little bit. I stole uh, my buddy's Dylan's rig for a while and was just like, Hey, you mind if I try this out? <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things like, you know, going from that to carding, it's like the, as good of a sim as it is there, you just can't feel, you know, the car beneath you. And I can only imagine how incredible lime rock is with all that elevation change with oh. the, the way it falls off and the way you climb up. It's like, if you're not feeling your car do that, it can't even come yeah. close. And, and I've driven cars that have no feel there, like the original Skip Barber cars, those things. Like, that's what I got my license in, and they were terrifying. You had no feel in the car. Um, and I remember going through the downhill, which, mind you, it it seems a really easy on the sim. That corner will make you pucker all the way through, because it's a 100% flat out and no runoff. You're, you hit the grass, and you go straight into the wall. And I was going down there in the Skip Barber car and I spun coming down there and I was scared like you wouldn't believe. And the bodywork on the Skip Barber car broke off and came up and I thought I was flipping down the front straight away. I was like, I just cost my dad so much money. <laughs> oh, but, I, 
I remember watching, I've, I've watched the, uh, some like the old Skip Barber instructional videos and those things, I look at them now and I'm like, oh, those seem sketchy by modern standards. They, they, they were sketchy, but they were sketchy by those standards. <laughs> those things, I, I've driven some dangerous stuff before. I cut my teeth in vintage cars and those things scared me more than a 1970 Lotus 72. It was ridiculous. Wow. And that, that was the K&M version that they wouldn't even let race in the Formula One because it was so dangerous and so bad. <laughs> that thing was awful. Well, so what's been the worst thing you've driven and the best thing you've driven so far in your career? Um, worst thing I've driven, uh, probably the Skip Barber car. <laughs> 100% the Skip Barber car. Uh, best thing I've driven – on the cool factor or just feel and speed? Just just the one that you felt the best in. Uh, the Radical SR3 1500. Uh, it was a car that is – so the Radical Cup is pretty big. I'm actually uh, representing their, the series right uh, with my shirt. But um, uh, the Radical is a very interesting car. It's got – it seems like a very – primitive prototype but when you actually work on them and you deal with them they're super intricate incredibly fast and huge amounts of downforce um and i i this i only drove it this last uh november it was first time ever in the car i'd never driven a ground effects car like that before something i was putting enough downforce to run upside down in a tunnel um and i cut my teeth in it at road, uh, road atlanta which if anybody's seen a video of road atlanta that place is scary but that <laughs> i love I, I love that track too but um that was probably the best car i've ever driven personally i loved it it was so amazing um it just the forces the speed the mm, there's there's not enough i could say about it. it i always look at cars like that and i i love like the radical cars i love um i've always said that like my dream car is like an aerial atom just something <laughs> that you can absolutely huck it around a track and i i can't imagine the amount of like downforce that that thing puts out right and, and you're out you're exposed in the radical cars as compared to you know being uh closed in and at road atlanta where you have you're hucking it around hills the entire time there right oh, yeah. so the the feeling of speed in that has to just be incredible Oh, it's otherworldly. Um, the only thing I could attribute it to, it, it was very similar to driving a shifter cart, the 125cc six-speed shifters that we are that we've run in karting. Those things are nasty, nasty pieces of work, and I love them. Um, but this this thing beats you up like it, and you feel it is just so much fun. You you can't hit the gas too hard, or else the rear ends all over the place. Uh, but if you hit everything just right, the acceleration throws you back. Like I had to, uh, the first seat I made, I felt pretty comfortable in him. By the end of the first day, I had to, I had to make a whole new seat because I had compressed it so much in the car. Wow. That's incredible. So you raced, I mean, you mentioned Lime Rock Park. You mentioned you love uh, Road Atlanta. Um, you also mentioned you raced in other nations do you have any tracks that you like are proud that you hit in australia and canada or just favorite tracks in the not united states not united states um best one's definitely bathurst i took a i took an e-type jag around there just on a track day 
and it was awesome. Uh, that that place is uh, Mount Panorama is just some of the coolest stretch of road ever, and you can drive there without it being a race day. And it's a street course, <laughs> technically. <laughs> it's awesome. Technically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Sand, uh, I did the Formula Four national uh, national race or national series opener at Sandown, and that place is wicked as well. I mean, you there's a drop off. I, I there's a few there's a few videos of the S five thousands, the Australia's version of the Formula Five thousands over there, and those things uh, like you see them drop over the edge. And like they're all single file, but when you're doing it in the Formula Fords, you're three, four wide. And we're racing with guys like Hunter McElroy, who's in the Indy Pro 2000 series, and all these other guys like Will Power and stuff race these cars at these tracks. And it's wild. And I, it was when I truly realized that open wheel racing can become a contact sport. <laughs> Those guys beat we i'd never been manhandled like that on a track like actually making contact in an open wheel car before it i was i was like oh okay we're back to go-karting days <laughs> so you so you, oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead no you go ahead so you know of those guys that you've raced against um you know that you've made mentioned some you know marquee names in the in this in the uh motorsport world who has been the most ruthless do you think Kyle Kirkwood, Kyle Kirkwood, for sure. That kid, he will put you in some places that you never thought you could be. Um, and he will push you harder than any other driver I've personally ever raced against. And that's saying something because Patricio was top notch too. He and I were teammates uh, for peak, for the PKT Aero team in 2009. And we ran all over each other, but Kyle was one of those guys. If he was hitting, it was tough to beat him. Wow. You mentioned you raced against, uh, for our European listeners, their ears probably uh, perked up at the mention of uh, Lance Stroll. You got any decent stories about racing against Lance Stroll? Um, Lance and I in cart, I, I only raced against him in carts. I never got it. I never went over to Europe to race against him in cars. I don't, I don't have that kind of money. Um, but well, Lance hardly and- anyone does. They're billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, now Lance and I raced carts against each other for uh, for a number of years, and and he was tough. He he another guy that he was one of those guys who you who he could really like throw a fast lap down, and it'd be hard to catch him uh, if he got the lead and he could run with it. Um, and he he was a good driver. It's it it was always frustrating because like I I never had the money like, but he would always come with like four or five different carts and he changed chassis every session and stuff like that. So it was always frustrating because like if like if it was a track that he like tested at really uh, really a lot, it was almost impossible to beat him. Um, but uh, other than that, I, Lance, he was, he was, uh, he banged elbows pretty well. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Try when not you... to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> with, with as powerful as uh, Papa Stroll is, you better remain on the good side of the, uh, the Stroll family, right? <laughs> you give me a thumbs up there. Um, so when you go up against a guy um, that, does have like you know Pato Award or uh, Lance Stroll or just anybody that you know has the the talent to make up 
you know, to, to race at that level. Do you just immediately know when you're on the track, you're like, Oh man, this guy is that good. Nah, I and mean, honestly, for me, it's it, it's always I've never because like I've beat I like I've raced against them and it's one of those things like the only way you're gonna beat them is if you think you know you're better. Um, so there was never a moment where I got on a track with them and I was like, and I was disappointed. If anything, I was excited because it was somebody who could give me a run for my money. It was somebody who I could really race with and they'd give it just as much back as I'd give it to them. That was the best part about racing with those guys. Santino Ferrucci too. And we raced carts against each other for a long time at Oakland Valley, uh, F1 Outdoor, MRP up in South Bend and Newcastle. Those are some marquee karting tracks here in the States. And you just know when you got guys like that on track with you, it was just, oh, this is going to be a good day. I can imagine you're sitting there and uh, there's an entire field of drivers out there looking like me, like, okay, well, I can dunk on him, but there's one or two guys out there at each race. You're like, oh my gosh, finally, I don't have to lap this guy for <laughs> hours on end. Uh, and and it, it, it could be like that sometimes when you're racing Formula Fords, because you'd get the guys, you'd get the serious guys out there who'd be out running probably 20, 30 uh, seconds ahead of the back markers who are just the old guys out there having, trying to have a good time in a fun car. But in karting, uh, like, especially with the national stuff, there was never uh, like, there was, I, I would say there were few kids who couldn't win on any weekend, especially back in the uh, late two thousands, early 2010s. Like that was in my opinion. And I'm back working in karting now. That was the best crop of drivers that is, and it's unfortunate that not all of them have gotten to the level that some of the other boys have like Pato Santino and that it's unfortunate that none of that, a few of them didn't get there because there were some guys who were just lights out. And I felt like it's the best, it was the best crop drivers to come through the sport and the sport just got more expensive. So it kind of priced a lot of us out and, and I've with me, the only reason why I've been able to keep working at it is I grew up with an with a former ND car engineer as a dad. So I was able to learn and work with everybody from the time I was 14. Like I've always had to work for teams to be able to get in the car and stuff like that. Very rarely do I get to drive under my dad's tent, which is always cool when I'm able to. But yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, the, the pricing out and the talented young crop of drivers. This is something Tim and I actually have had a talk about uh, probably a while ago, which is American talent. And, um, you know, we, we got an email one time from a listener that was kind of like, hey, why isn't there American talent in Formula One? How, how much American talent looks at the financial viability of an IndyCar or a NASCAR and – sees that and just goes, you know, why would I go into formula one with the, the price tags that are attached? Uh, I, I, with NASCAR and sports car racing in particular, that's where a lot of the really good kids who you'll never see on the IndyCar scale go to, they all go to, um, na uh, sports cars or NASCAR. Um, or if they're trying to go up the road racing ladder to like IndyCar and if they mm -hmm. can't make it or they're priced out, but, um, and it, basically comes down to if you're a good driver you can make money in sports car racing you can make money in nascar you can't and it's really hard to make money in indycar like through the feeder series you really like there's nobody i and from firsthand experience i've tried 
I tried for four or five years and still trying now to try to get sponsorship to run uh, USF 2000 or Indy Pro. And like, I've been fortunate enough to test and drive those cars, but doing a full season, it's a, and it's a $500,000 price, a price tag to do Indy Pro 2000. That's more than a lot. Of, that's a house for a lot of people. And it takes, and you don't get much exposure. So sponsors typically don't want to, they're like, I can't do anything with this. Like I, you're, nobody's going to see my brand on TV. So. And it makes sense too, because I mean, Formula yeah. One's even farther out. Yeah, even, so even like further out. That, that's like, to so do Formula 3, which is the equivalent to the Indy Pro 2000 series. Mm-hmm. It is easily nearly a million dollars if you just want to compete. Like, it's $750,000 just to compete, let alone if you want to win, you have to go to Campos or Carlin or Dams to be able to win and then continue to move forward. Because if you're not winning, there's no point to be there. And like, that's something like a lot of people can say, Oh, Lance doesn't deserve to be there. He's just got there on daddy's money. Lance still won regardless of daddy's money. Yeah. Lawrence, pro- Lawrence could afford to get Lance to wherever he wanted, but Lance, it, it would have gotten to a point where even Lawrence would have been like, no, this isn't worth it. Right. At the I end know- of the day, he is still yeah. a businessman and he's yeah. going to say I'm roasting a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, but- exactly. And you don't get that rich for by not being uh, by not having a good head on your shoulders with that stuff. Right. Um, and it's, I it's it's weird. It's it's weird to be in a situation where you, you're like, oh, my talent isn't going to get me super far because a lot of Americans, like the general public, they're like, oh, well, think about football. If that kid's really talented and he works really hard in high school ball, he'll get a D1 scholarship. And if he works really hard in college, he'll get a he'll get put into the draft or at least have a shot at playing for an NFL team or, or for an NBA team or something like that. It's so vastly different than that in motorsports because motorsports it's entirely based by the dollar all you're doing as a driver yeah you're doing what you love but your number one job is making somebody's ego bigger that's primarily the that's primarily the biggest thing about the finances and auto racing and yeah it sucks but man when you get it when you do your job right you don't you feel pretty good about it but and that's probably one of the hardest things for a lot of people who don't understand and aren't in the middle of it all to really let that's probably the hardest thing for them to understand all right we're going to take a real quick break we're going to be back on the other side we're going to talk to ryan about the latest news happening in the motorsports world here on the formation lab the formation lab the formation lab Welcome back to the Formation Lap here from the Not 101 ESPN studios. We're joined by Ryan Bierke still. And Ryan, I appreciate all the knowledge you've just dropped. We're going to have you back on. But for now, I think it would be best if uh, maybe you stuck around. We have a couple news stories we'd like to we'd like to talk about and uh, get your take on. How's that sound? Sounds incredible. So we are recording this first things first. We're recording this on Monday, the 15th of February. So happy post Valentine's day to all y'all. And that means that today was the launch of the new McLaren. I assume everybody we've all seen this, right? I look strong. I want to get first Ryan and then Tim, your guys's take on how McLaren's going to look with both Daniel Ricardo and that new Mercedes engine. 
my take on the new car, I, I love it personally. As a, as a mechanical engineer who's taken a lot of, or mechanical engineering student who's taken a lot of aerospace classes and really enjoys them, the way they were able to package the rear of that car is beautiful. How they're going to be able to get, so they're going to get so much more air to that rear wing and actually be able to utilize it. Um, another, I think personally, that car is going to be a lot, is going to be a dark horse this year because they were the only car that was able to, they had to reach, they had to redesign the rear geometry of the car. They have to change their weight ballast, which in my opinion with, uh, from what other people have said about the Renault, uh, the Renaults in the previous, uh, like with previous teams, like with, uh, with Red Bull and McLaren now, I think uh, they, they were having a real issue with the packaging being so off and having to put so much stuff out on the sides for the side uh, for this into the side pods and stuff. And that screws with your CG that screws with the ability of with the car to be able to roll through the corner, how you're able to pitch it and all that stuff. And that honestly kind of goes back to the days of even Fernando Alonso original attempt with uh, with Renault when they when uh, back in 2005 and six when he won those championships. His driving style with that extremely aggressive input was because that car did not want to roll into the corners. Like every other driver who eases it in, that car just wants to understeer off the track. You have to get out of the power to be able to get it to rotate and get to the exit, then to get back on power. With that car being uh, having the rear end so messed up with the CG being so wonky with what has been now a staple with Renault power units, he had to have that aggressive input and everybody analyzes it driver 66. He did it. He did an analysis on that car as well. And Alonso's driving style. And I think with the Mercedes package, which allows the, which allows the lazier, smoother turn in and with accompanied with Daniel Ricardo's driving style, who's super aggressive, super calculated. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a great match. I think possibly a win this year, Hopefully a little bit more than that, but we'll see. I just, I, yeah. <laughs> you're high on him. You're high. You're high on him. I'm high on him. I'm I, high I, on him. I think it, I think that's a, that's a educated take. Tim, uh, I lined you up next, but uh, good luck following that. Buddy. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, God, how do I go from that? Like nuanced informed analysis. Jesus. Um, I think it looks on the show. I think it looks awesome. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, it's kind of more of a B-spec car, um, you know, the MCL 35M. So, you know, they've gone through a few iterations. They used the uh, upgrade uh, tokens that they had to make a way for the uh, Mercedes power unit. Front end looks almost exactly the same uh, as last year, which I, I think is great. So they're going, you know, the James Key design, they're going to go off everything that they've known before and then yeah as ryan was talking about it the back end looks really it looks tighter i think the mercedes power unit is more narrow and is able to um have that just be a tighter package in the back which i think will be really really interesting uh to see because they clearly understand it better having been back there so much so they might be able to put that into actual performance on the track i think you're going to see them make a severe step forward um, you know, they have the power unit. I believe they're still doing uh, the gearbox themselves. Um, or I don't think they, they bought that from Mercedes, if I understood it correctly. Um, but yeah, Ryan, you can probably speak more to that. I don't I don't know. I, I personally don't know. I'd be shocked if they did if they did buy one for Mercedes because McLaren Technologies has prided themselves on that stuff. And 
I if yep. you look at the McLaren F1, it's got the Mercedes power unit, but the McLaren gearbox. So yep. if they'll put it in their street car, I doubt they'd change on their on their race car. I would too. So I think that um, it'll be interesting to see if the gearbox can get more or at least be more comparable to uh, the Mercedes team. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, for me, they are, uh, they are the dark horse for P3, um, and the constructors to see if they can, uh, take it to Max Verstappen and, um, you know, Sergio Perez over at Red Bull. I think that's their direct competitor. I, I, I don't think anybody's going to catch Mercedes cause it's Mercedes. No, I don't I, think until 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just, so it's a P2. Yeah. Fight. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing is I'm excited for 2021, but 2022, I think is where this is really going to start. Um, it's going to pay off this year. I think it's going to really pay off in 2022 when you get a, a more even, hopefully fingers crossed, uh, a set of regulations. Um, because I mean, this year, part of the thing that hurts them is they had to spend those design tokens, right? They had to spend the design tokens designing that rear end entirely new. Um, but something tells me that, you know, it's an, you're making this large step in such an environment in such a limited way, a limited fashion due to either, you know, 2020 restrictions due to F1 restrictions on what you can and can't improve that I, I can't, I, there's no way I can tell you that they made everything or even half the improvements. I think they probably wanted to make in this car. Uh, 2022 is going to be, I would be very interested to see where they take it. Um, but yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I think, granted, we haven't seen the Red Bull car uh, yet. So, but I, I really do anticipate them coming up to fight the Red Bulls uh, a little bit, fight them, really separate themselves from that really dense midfield with Renault on back. And we saw last year how incredible that fight was. I think you're going to see the gap start to shift towards the top three teams and McLaren starting to shuffle into those top three teams one thing that also intrigued me and i texted uh i texted both you and uh dylan about it tim earlier is all the promotional photos that i've seen so far with both lando and uh daniel ricardo lando is front and center right by the nose of that thing off in the back is daniel ricardo tim are you reading into that a little bit i'm not uh, mostly because I don't think Daniel Ricardo, with his stature, would go into any team without saying even footing, if not, you know, mm-hmm. top driver uh, preference. Um, and I mean, Lando is is great. I mean, I, he, I I make no bones about it. He's one of my favorite on the grid. Um, I like his style, um, and I kind of and I like everything that goes along with him. Um, but. You know, it's also Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> so it's the one guy on the grid that could actually take it to Max Verstappen and, and and do pretty well with it. So this isn't a guy to be trifled with or to take a number two uh, preference. So I think it'll be even footing. I don't read too much into it. I think it's just, uh, you know, McLaren might be more like behind their boy in the promotional stuff just because he's a homegrown driver um, for McLaren. But uh, I think that's just about it. And COVID. So, you know, I mean, it's it's butts on tires. You know, that, that, that's all you're seeing with those shots. So I'm not I, – I don't read too much into it. I'm excited to see how they do this year. I hope they pal around kind of like uh, Carlos and Lando did. But, you know, that'd be – I guess I might be wanting too much. <laughs> it's, a, it's a high bar to set. High bar to I set. Know. Ryan, I know. do you anticipate the same thing, just kind of a, uh, a 1A, 1B situation as we'd, we'd call it in ice hockey where, you know, equal footing 
or do you think they're going to lean into Lando or Daniel uh, harder, one or the other? I think um, I think they'll expect more out of Daniel than they will Lando. Eh, Lando. Oh, man, I can't talk today. <laughs> uh, I think they'll expect more out of Daniel uh, for sure because I the guy's won. He's won races before. He's gone toe to toe with Max, and when that stuff was even footing, I it literally those two were uh, Max and Danny were so close that they would crash into each other. Baku 2018 for, or 2017. Mm-hmm. Per, prime example i mean, he is top notch and that and everybody keeps talking about how max uh, max is the only person who could beat lewis and i agree if they were same car even keel i think it's possible nobody talks about the other guy who could who could beat max which was danny and it's not to say lando isn't that good yet but he's got time i mean he got into the sport almost two years after uh, for stop and did even though they're around the same age and they've and he's not and this is going to be the perfect opportunity for lando to learn from somebody because he's got the veteran of all veterans to have on his uh, on his side who's going to be willing to work with him it'd be different i don't think you could put lewis in that car and expect him to mentor lando i don't think he would do it danny well it doesn't hurt danny to have a uh, to have another wingman out there I cannot tell you how many one-off drives I've done, and I've called so many of my friends that I've been teammates before that I knew were tough drivers just to be able to have a wingman out there, and they've never driven these cars. So I would literally work an entire week just going over data with them, trying to make sure that then when they hopped in that car, they'd be on comparable speed with me. So I had somebody who could help me out at the front. Because we're not going to crash each other. We're going to give each other a lot of respect. It's always good to have that second driver, that teammate, who's equal and even keel with you. It's one thing I've never understood about Red Bull is why they've always, or Ferrari this past year with Vettel. Like, I'm not a Vettel, I'm not a huge Vettel fan, but I mean, it was clear. They weren't giving him the right stuff. And he doesn't <laughs> like an uncomfortable car. That was something that was apparent when he... Uh, when Red Bull had the new regulations in 2014, he hates an uncomfortable car. That's why Danny made him look stupid. Yeah. Second, well, I mean, yeah. I, I went the whole season saying that you, there is no way, zero way you can convince me that that's the same car. Yeah. It's not, it, they were, they were giving Leclerc all the upgrades, anything he wanted. The, the development was always toward his desire, not Sebastian's and you screwed Sebastian. Yeah. Um, and well, I'm, but I am excited to see him in the Aston Martin green next to, you know, uh, your former uh, carding mate. <laughs> well, yeah. it, and, to, and to further what Ryan said too about, you know, having a wingman, I think that that is an underrated aspect of Mercedes kind of legacy. Uh, if, and when this dominant era ends, if it ever does, God help us. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is, they've always, uh, Look, Lewis is fantastic. He is a generational driver. He is, to some arguably, to some inarguably, the greatest driver. But one overlooked aspect is Valtteri Bottas or Nico Rosberg. He's always had a very competent wingman. And I know people want Bottas to go out and win races and challenge Lewis, but Valtteri Bottas is the guy you want with you at the bar, man. Like, if you're going out and you're like, man, I need to, you know, that, that lady, that girl is really pretty. Valtteri Bottas is the ultimate wingman, all right? Yeah. It's not about him. He allows Lewis to be as unchallenged as he is. He's not paid to challenge him. Right. Yeah, that's He's that's paid the biggest to cover thing. Him. 
yeah, he's paid to be there to make sure that they get the good results and they wax the field like they have. I, and and that was part of, I don't think, I, I think if you look back to 2016, I think they may have put up with the Lewis Nico show for one more year, one more year, I think. And then it would have been done. I think one of, I think Nico probably would have gone regardless. Because uh, Nico was up there in age, Nico was up there in age. He had his family. He was he was kind of checking out a little bit, anyhow. But I don't think they Mercedes would have put up with Nico and Lewis for another year for anything past 2017 if Nico had stayed, because that was that wasn't being productive. They wrecked it, themselves it, out of three races. Yeah, it wasn't a sustainable situation driver wise. They needed a guy. They recognized the need to have someone like Valtteri who they could clearly say, listen, you need to be the rear gunner and keep it as close to him and qualifying as you can. And I'll give I'll give Valtteri this. He does yeah. on a consistent oh. basis. He keeps it within a tenth or two, whether he's ahead or behind. Yeah. Um, which is honestly an admirable trade. I mean, obviously you got George Russell coming in and the reason he didn't get promoted is because they don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, cause George nearly took Valtteri off the bleeping track. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I, you're absolutely right. No, it's, it's can't say uh, I wouldn't have done the same thing. <laughs> Given the opportunity to win a race, uh, my first time in a Mercedes, I, sorry, Valtteri, I'll buy you See a beer you. after. <laughs> I'll XOXO buy, George. I'll buy you your entire team steak dinners. It's fine. I want to yeah. win, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but I'm, I'm curious, uh, what do you think? With the engine freeze being agreed to at the end of this year, uh, with the new aero regs coming in, A, do you think the new aero regs bring more parity to the field? And B, do you think Lewis sticks around after next year? I do not think Lewis sticks around. If he wins eight, I think Lewis is gone. I, I think that completely. was. I think. I think he just wanted the clarity. The clarity. If Max were to beat him, he could stay. I think that was the big issue with that being a four-year contract and being dropped to a one. I don't think Lewis. I, I think Lewis will win this year. Personally, um, wow, I don't want real, it to be that way. It's a real hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I, I, I like, I'm not saying I want that to happen. I'd love Max to give him a run for his money, but, uh, for the new aero regulations, one thing that a lot of people don't understand about aeronautics in, in, in race cars, I and mean, you can talk to an airplane guy and until you explain it to them on how it works with, with the race cars, like in, as a driver, it's hard for them to really understand unless they're, unless they're working with it. Um, Ground effects, which is what they're transitioning to. That is why IndyCar is such good racing at 95% of the tracks they go to is because it's all ground effects. It's air going underneath the car. Air going underneath the car is a hell of a lot harder to disturb than air going over the car. And you could have a pigeon fly across the front of the car, totally miss the car, and that'll disturb the air and take a, and take a good, I don't know, three, 400 pounds of downforce off that car just for that little bit. And that's how that's how much downforce uh, over the top of the car is worth. When you have it under the car, number one, the cars are faster. It, there's more force having it go under the car. That's the wonderful thing about the radicals. There's uh, is because it is a ground effects car. Formula One going back to ground effects, which they had banned in years past, I think is a better is a better solution for the racing. Yeah, the cars are going to get a hell of a lot faster, and they're going to be freaking out over the safety concerns over that but in my opinion i don't think you could that these cars are so freaking safe and the only thing that could hurt one of them is armco apparently um (laughs) thank god roman's okay but 
I mean, ground effects is the way to go. It's the it's the it's the ultimate form of aeronautics to begin with. That's why I never understood why the FIA for so long, even though the sports has gotten so much safer, why they've always vetoed ground effects. It's the it's it's the best it's the best part of aeronautics. And they've taken it away from Formula One. And that was part in champ cars. They were so fast because they had ground effects. You never saw funny looking wings all over a champ car. Yeah, you, no. you saw big freaking tunnels coming out the bottom. Yeah, that's true. Huge yeah. tunnels. So Huge. that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, I'm on the same page for the record uh, with with Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I do think I just want to get this in there before we move into our final little topic of uh, our final news topic. I think Lewis, there is a certain kind of beauty in just cutting it off right when a new chapter of Formula One begins. I think transition, you know covering that transition doesn't feel uh right to me just gut wise i think that after this year he'll win his eighth uh i know another shocking take uh he'll win his eighth and he'll he'll wrap it up i mean at this point in his career if he jumps into f1 in 2022 it you have to kind of relearn and readapt and get adjusted to a new style you're close to retirement anyway. Why restart that cycle? Why restart the process? Um, just let this be the era after, you know? Well, and he's already established he's the greatest. You know, yeah, if you they- have eight, like, good luck getting eight. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's good. That uh, That's a – I know they said it when Schumacher did it, but Jesus, eight? <laughs> You know, that's just never going to happen if you and as you see that the engines are getting frozen, they're going to there's going to be more parity power wise, there's going to be parity aerodynamics, uh, you know, wise. Uh, Personally, I think you see, uh, you know, a better fight. And, you know, it'll be actually pretty easy for Mercedes, they'll, you know, see, give Lewis the grandest send off of all time. And uh, then they'll uh, welcome George, and they'll probably keep Valtteri. Bring yeah. little Georgie boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, little Georgie boy. <laughs> no, no, he's not little. He's gigantic. Bold as he he's my size. That is, like I guess I'm a big driver, but I'm, he's about my size. Yeah. Well, I mean, compared to Lewis. <laughs> oh or, God, Lewis. Yeah. You, uh, or Yuki Sonoda, who's oh, Pietro Fittipaldi. Yeah. Really short. I race yeah. against him in carts too. And he's a really short guy. Santino is all is also a really really short guy. It's, it's one of the, one of the biggest issues with me as a race car driver. I can't fit in most cars. <laughs> it's really hard. Like uh, when I drove the USF car, we had just thin layer of foam that you got from the hardware store. That was my seat because it was a because it was such a run of the mill. Hey, come and test the car for us. I was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. But, oh, I don't fit. So, but but before we go to the last story, which I'll make a joke about because uh, that's kind of our running gag on this show is that I can't stand the guy. Uh, Um, I wish we had the front. No, we're not doing the the Chiron. Um, But for you, Ryan, like in the next 24 months, what do you think for you and your career uh, would be like the, the, what is your pipe dream? Like, what would you love to hit? You clearly know everything about these cars. You clearly have a talent against these top end drivers. What would the dream thing for you be? Um, it's kind of it. Dream would be do Indy Pro, Indy Pro 2000, Indy Lights, and then hopefully get a seat in an Indy car. That's always been my dream ever since I was a kid. If that uh, if that doesn't work out, my 
backup plan would be do the 24 hours of Daytona, which I think is a bit more feasible, especially with the LMP3 format moving into the 24 hour and endurance races. I love, I've, my dad was an endurance racer. He won the six hours of the Glen with Augie Paps from Paps Blue Ribbon. And that was where my family cut our teeth was endurance racing. So it always has held a near and dear side of my heart. I think I'm good enough. I just, we got, you got to find money in this sport. So hopefully somebody's willing to come and sponsor, but <laughs> if anybody's we'll, out there looking, <laughs> we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, endurance racing is one of our favorites here on the oh, show. We, we love, oh, I love it. We love the 24. So <laughs> I wanted, I want to be like, what did you think of Wayne Taylor racing, switching from a Cadillac to an Acura and winning again? Just <laughs> did just, something Penske couldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so, I was like, what? They, and they did just, that in three months. <laughs> three three months, and they just took off the front. No one caught them. They just buy. <laughs> you know, I mean, the uh, yeah, uh, not Yuki Sonoda. Uh, they they got chased a ton, but they they were just gone. It was so yeah. cool. God, yeah. I love that race. Yeah, God, it was I love so that. good. It was I so watched so every second of it. There, I didn't sleep that entire weekend. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, I was losing my mind. I'm, I'm if you ever raced the, if you've raced the twenty four, you'd end up getting more sleep racing it than you would watching it at home. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but the last story, Luke. Yeah. Cover. I have to I have to break it to our listeners that uh, because we're at the not 101 ESPN studios, I do not have the Fernando watch siren. I apologize, but uh, I'll, I'll make up Fernando watch 2021. Fernando Alonso was uh, cycling uh, out as uh, drivers tend to do in Europe, and he got hit by, I believe, a truck. Tim. Yes, they call it a lorry over there. He yeah. was hit by a truck and broke his face uh, like literally i believe it was jaws and he had like some teeth reconstruction going on there which you know mm-hmm. hockey player i'm quite familiar with that but uh it, ryan i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you a, t- a tip here buddy um race car drivers uh, you're one of them don't get on the bikes man they seem to just have a really bad time I've, I've had too many casts from bikes, scooters, you name it. I, 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 every bone I've ever broken has been on a two wheeled vehicle. I've never broken a bone racing. I've knock on wood, but I've, I've broken my, I've broken this arm three times all because of either a scooter or a bike. Oh, <laughs> can I, we'll wrap up. I'll tell you guys the story of uh, how I broke my arm uh, last summer. Uh, Tim, Tim's well aware of this story. It yes. was, it was, it was when, when girls asked, it was skateboarding, right? <laughs> yeah. The actual answer was I was skateboarding, got to the bottom of the, of the run, uh, which is near the one-on-one ESPN parking garages, right? It's like a seven story parking garage. It's really, really nice. And I went to go up the stairs, board in my right hand thought there was one more step and just kind of launched myself at the top of <laughs> at the top of the landing and fell on my left left arm uh with a skateboard in my right hand and i was like i, I was and like to get the blood flow right he kept having to hold his arm up oh like this gosh. so brad thompson and i had a good time being like yes luke you have a question <laughs> god it's the worst it was, but uh, yeah, I was I I I sympathize with that because it's like it's like ah, what do you do? Oh well, you know uh, I skateboard some, I, I snowboard a little bit, I played hockey for years. What are the what's you know what are your injuries? Uh, well, I fell going upstairs once, so. 
that's, yep. that's about but, the extent of it. But Ryan, avoid riding your bike in traffic where you can hit get hit by a truck. Yeah. Yeah, Especially sure. when you're about to rejoin Formula yeah. One. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think it's a. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the most comfortable helmet fitting. He's probably going to need a, another custom shear berth before he gets in that car. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's, and I can't grand, imagine. It's not including medical bills. It's easy. Yeah. Well, the thing that I'm actually going to be uh, interested to see is uh, how he goes through heavy braking the first Ooh, few times. That that's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I, I've done a stupid thing very similar to Oliver Askew. I've driven with concussion before and mm. braking is the worst because everything gets forced forward and there. All that pressure that you're feeling throughout your entire head is now focused right on one spot mm. and it's not a good time. I don't know how he's going to, there's no way getting hit by a truck. He didn't get a concussion. Number one, number two, facial reconstruction, it, there's just a lot of things that are going to really suck. I think by come April, Mar, uh, April, May, hopefully he's totally back to normal, but man, testing's going to suck. I can't imagine. That's going to be absolutely. And, it, and it's at Bahrain. So yeah. there are heavy breaking zones. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you Monza. know, it's not <laughs> well, Monza. Uh, yeah. It's not like, uh, you know, Catalonia where, you know, yeah. you have medium turns everywhere. It's heavy breaking a lot. Yeah. Yep. In Bahrain, so. So we here at the Formation Labs, as much as we uh, like to clown on Fernando, uh, well, we respect his talent, but we like to clown on Fernando. We do wish him the best. We're in a joking mood because he is okay. Uh, so yeah. we wish uh, wish him a speedy recovery. And I think that is going to wrap it. I've been Luke Clevenger with Tim and Ryan Bjerke. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Formation Lab. Next week, we'll be back the motorsports month and a half. See ya.